Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. I'm Jamin Brazil, the show's host. I'm joined by our executive producer, Chuyi Yang. Chuyi, how are you? I'm doing pretty okay considering what's been going on in the world. I actually worked outside for a little bit in my backyard and it was honestly probably the best decision I've made all week. It was so refreshing. In this episode, we'll be providing tips on how to make the switch from working at an office to working from home a lot easier. So you want to stay tuned for the following weeks to hear the individual episodes of our reference guests. But a quick warning, there are curse words that are unbeeped in this episode. You can find the beeped version of this episode on our website if you would like. Support for the Happy Market Research podcast comes from SurveyMonkey. Today, almost everyone has taken a survey. But did you know that SurveyMonkey now offers a complete solution for market researchers? In addition to flexible surveys, their global audience panel and research services, SurveyMonkey just launched a fast and easy way to collect market feedback. With seven new expert solutions from concept testing to creative testing, with built-in customized methodologies, AI-powered insights, and industry benchmarking, you can get feedback on your idea from your target market in a presentation-ready format in as little as an hour. For more information on SurveyMonkey market research solutions, visit surveymonkey.com slash market hyphen research. That's surveymonkey.com slash market dash research. Mention the Happy Market Research podcast to the SurveyMonkey sales team before June 30th for a discount on your first project. For all of us, it's not a theoretical thing. It's here a true pandemic. And we all are having to deal with this fact. At this time, companies are, for the first time, requiring employees to work from home. Not coffee shops, not co-working spaces, but literally from home. But that isn't as simple as unplugging your laptop at work and setting it up in your kitchen. In fact, before COVID-19 crisis, only 16% of companies had a truly, fully remote workforce. One of my favorite quotes from Y Combinator is, A company can only be good in three things, at most three things. If you choose to have a remote culture, then that's going to be one of the three things that you're good at. We all try to do the right thing here, but most of us don't know what that is. Like Kate, she works at YouGov, a multinational market research company with six offices in the U.S. alone, and they have offices in over 10 countries globally. There were 12 of us on a Zoom call. It's a virtual lunch that I host on Tuesdays and Fridays from 11 to 11.30 Pacific time. When Kate pops in and she gives us this perfect story of how her and her husband are navigating, both working professionals navigating their workspace at home. So me and my husband, we live in a one-bedroom apartment in the Bay Area, so... One of our immediate problems was figuring out where to have our conference calls. We both have a lot of different phone calls and video conferences. So we were constantly negotiating with each other who would get the living room to do our calls. Uh, So we ultimately came up with this solution to sign out the rooms of our apartment when we had a call. So just like you would at any office. So if you need the living room for a call, you would go over to our chalkboard and you would sign it out. So it's pretty funny, but it's been working pretty well for us, and we've been making it work in our one bedroom. 
Among other things, this is a time that we are all tested, and we either rise to the occasion, or we don't, or we can't. Companies that are being hit hard by COVID-19 are cutting jobs and spend across the board. In recent conversations, it is apparent that large-ticket items, like tractors, will continue to be under pressure, but the group and consumer insights that got hit the hardest are facilities. There are more than 1,600 facilities globally, and over the past 10 years, these facilities have been under increasing pressure to adjust their traditional focus groups and in-person interviews with digitally enabled remote sessions. In fact, SMR's 2019 report showed the majority of spend in qualitative research was still being done in person. Now, in-person has been forced into a wholesale transition to digital. What are the long-term impacts? Before COVID-19, it used to be the case that if you joined a video chat, like Zoom, you'd have about half of the participants not share their camera. Today, everyone enables their camera. This will create an overall comfort and connection with video that simply didn't exist even two weeks ago. I believe that the trend here is that the highlight reel will become a normal part of Consumer Insight Reports. While this might not seem odd to user experience professionals, For us market researchers, this is a major paradigm shift. Over the coming months, my hope is that you'll keep your relationships alive with your trusted facilities as they are adapting to this new world. Some companies with physical offices found the transition to be pretty smooth. Steve Mass from Delvinia said, People were concerned. You could feel it in the office like it was. So uh, we quickly over the weekend as the exec team um, started implementing and saying, okay, let's, let's put into play our work from home strategy and policies. Uh, went really smooth. Um, you know, obviously there's always a couple little hiccups here or there. Uh, part of it is because most of our technology and most of the things that we implement are all in sort of cloud, they're all digital based, you know, so, you know, we're pretty much a, we're a virtual company anyway. We just happen to all be in the one office. I will say the one thing that was super, super helpful in all this. And if there's any piece of advice that I can give to organizations out of this, especially any organizations that's managing data and security is, um, we went through the ISO 27001 certification about a year and a half ago. We started the process. Uh, it's painful, um, especially if you're a, we consider ourselves a very agile, innovative company. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of challenging things you got to change, but it forces you to really get your business continuity plans in place. So the minute something happens and we were thinking more like data breaches and, you know, like, what if we have, um, you know, wars and, you know, you're kind of thinking about those traditional sort of things and pandemics weren't necessarily one of the things, but all the same things come into play. Um, so in a lot of it relies on what's your IT infrastructure, how do they react, how do your employees uh, maintain a level of security while they're at home, uh, what's your VPN um, setup like, how fast can you implement it, um, you know, where's your data stored, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a tremendous help. Um, that was able, to, we were almost able just to kind of, it was like a playbook, right? We just opened it up and everybody just kind of followed the, followed the playbook. I was recently interviewed by Meryl Dubrow of Mark Research on his new podcast titled On the Mark. He asked me, what are the differences 
between the companies and CEOs that will thrive during and after this crisis? My response was exactly in line with how Delvinia handled things. The ones that will thrive, these will be the ones that have built the reputation and systems before this hit. The ones that die will be the ones that didn't have the customer relationships and internal clout to carry them through this period. It's a hard fact that Darwin identified. It isn't the strongest or most intelligent that survive, but the most adaptable. Laura Bright, founder of Bright Consulting, recently told a group of us that one of her clients had a parts manufacturing business. Now that no one wants parts, they now make hand sanitizer and they're running at full utilization. Although it is hard at a company level, it is just as hard as an individual level. Rion Vandermeer, head of product at Wildbit, shared that although there are downsides to working at home, there are also some significant upsides. Right, but I think you're, yes, your trade-off is the right word because I think in that trade-off, you're, you don't need facilities management. <laughs> like you save other things. Well, that's like a good we're point. A, yeah, right. We're a company of 30 people now that have been, and I haven't been there for 12 years, but they've been remote for 12 years. And we have someone on staff whose title is team happiness and operations. And that's what you're talking about, right? But we don't need a facilities manager or someone uh, that, that figures out how to expand office space. And I think you're right in that there's a lot more companies talking about that. Basecamp obviously talks about it a lot, but then uh, there's Buffer and there's uh, Zapier, all these companies that are remote only that are uh, doing this more and more. And we're seeing that, like you said, a lot of people prefer that. I don't know how I would ever uh, go back to not working remotely, I think. It's not for everyone, but I think that the way that it's structured and the way that it allows me and the way I work to have uninterrupted hours of deep work and and communicate asynchronously to my team has been invaluable for, for the way that I work. It will be interesting to see how companies think about remote employees after this pandemic. Henrik Matson, CEO of Lookback, a video-based UX platform, has been running a fully remote culture for years. He identified four key issues people face when they do not work in an office. Full disclosure, Look Back was Happy Market Research Podcast's sponsor in Q1 of this year. There's probably four main things. I know there's supposed to be three things always, but I think there's four at least. Uh, number one is that social gets filtered out very easily in remote work. And what I mean by that is that if you go into an office, you're always going to have those in-between spaces where you just catch up with your colleagues or talk about the game or something like that, right? In remote, you will just jump from browser to browser, from meeting to meeting, and it's very easy to filter out social. So that can be quite challenging for people. Uh, number two is that you can't bump into things, unexpected things as easily. So in, in, if you co-work together in, in, in an office, you will bump into the unexpected. Now, that's not necessarily going to happen by itself if you go remote. So you need to make space for that. Okay, wait, we need to pause here really quick. This has been my biggest problem since we have gone remote. Every morning when we were working at the office, Jamin would ask me, what's the word on the street? And then for us, that meant what's going on in your world. And in my world, it's K-pop. So as soon as we turned remote, there wasn't a spot for that interaction unless someone was really late for a Zoom meeting, then we would talk about that. Yeah, I miss that too. 
Thankfully, we had a conversation with Henrik pretty quick after the crisis, and we were able to put in the appropriate measures. But there is a dark side to this. Third, the measures that you put in place to make space for that can create overwhelming situations. So you will end up bumping into everything. So you're kind of, you got to find that balance, right? Uh, either your organization hasn't set this up very well and you won't bump into anything unexpected or they fail the other way around and you're going to bump into everything and, and just start muting everything because it's too much to handle. And the fourth one that I would bring up is that it's it can be hard to collaborate without the whiteboard. If you're used to that, uh, you need to find other tools. Luckily, there are a lot of other tools to deal with it, but you have to find them and you have to set them up. From here, we can go a lot of different ways, but I want to continue the interview with Henrik regarding the solutions. It is helpful to understand what the employee owns and what the employer owns for a successful transition from an in-office to in-home office environment. So I think if we if we take them in turn, then the social part getting filtered out, I think that has to be addressed on multiple levels, because especially if you're going to do this in the long term, this will really drain you and it will be hard to onboard as a new employee with people that you've never met and you don't really know them. Right. So uh, number one is every employee has to do their part, you know, make space for the social in your meetings, perhaps hang hang out a little bit after a meeting instead of jumping straight into the other one. Plan some one-on-ones with your colleagues. And also the, the leadership of the company has to make sure that there's proper investment into these things so that you have, you know, uh, I've seen some people now do a five to seven or whatever you call it in the US, right? But one of those like after work things where you just go for drinks together, you can do that over webcam too, right? And, you know, see each other, have retreats, uh, meet up every now and then at look back we do this three times per year that's been tremendously valuable so that's on the social part on the you know the bumping into things either too much or too little i think there are two things you need to do there i always say transparency by default so a lot of companies now we're a bit worried about what the information to share with whom i think in a in a remote organization you need to be transparent by default because people can't bump into you, but they can bump into information. So just put everything out there. Obviously, there might be some HR issues or something like that that you can't share widely, but really push yourself there and try to be as transparent as, po- as possible. At the same time, you need to be disciplined and use the right channel or tool for the right thing. So if you have, for example, Slack as your main communication tool, as we do, understand that that's just like the office space. That's just people, you know, calling for each other, uh, you know, through doors or, or across the room or something like that. It's not where things live forever. And if you just start shouting everywhere, it's going to be quite, quite hard to do this. So, so stay disciplined on that. And then finally, on the last one with the collaboration piece, that's a tool issue, I would say. You know, you can use tools to make sure that you have a whiteboard, a virtual whiteboard, or, you know, all those design tools or code reviews or whatever it is. Make sure that you have that set up properly. Don't underinvest in tools. In regards to tools, like many of you, my team's biggest struggle has been around collaboration. We used to do this on Glass, tables, post-it notes, whiteboards, basically anything physical. This is what Henrik uses. So if we start the other way around now with the whiteboarding, I'd say that 
for me, it's uh, the tool called Whimsical has been a game changer, actually. I'm very impressed with this tool. It's very simple to use. You can make flow charts. You can make mind maps. You know, and I use it for myself just to – a lot of my work is just breaking problems into their component parts, right? So you can make all of these flow charts and issue trees and, and what have you. Uh, and it's also collaborative, so you can just share this and you can work together in it. And uh, so that's very powerful for making sure that you get – your team aligned on what are we actually talking about? Are we over here in the issue tree or are we over here, right? So yeah, whimsical, very good. Then in terms of the day-to-day communication and keeping that disciplined, we use three tools. So we use Slack for just the everyday chatter where you just communicate with people. And we have a lot of different channels. Most of them are open and transparent and you can join if you want to, but you don't have to. And, uh, you know, so we have a code channel where the developers discuss code. We have a, uh, you know, customer success channel where support can reach out to different aspects of the organization to deal with issues and so on and so forth. And then we have for more wiki-like things and things like notes from meetings and also agendas. Agendas, obviously, always an important thing, but perhaps even more important than remote. We keep all of that in a tool called Notion, a really good uh, tool. It's kind of hard to explain in voice, but once you start using it, you'll see it's just a a living document. Anyone can just change anything. Uh, You can keep all your kind of things that need to be accessible async uh, in there. Slack won't be good for that, and it's not built for that either. Uh, Things will just disappear into yesterday and so on and so forth. But with Notion, you can keep all your things there. And then finally, we use a tool called Clubhouse that we use for project work. So when we implement uh, code projects or something like that, we track that on stories that have different states. And I'd I'd say you go a pretty long way on that as a company. I I guess Airtable also deserves a mention here, which is where we collect data in tables to discuss, for example, our long list, which is all of our feature requests and product ideas and stuff like that. Basically, what all of these have in common is that they are purpose-built for a very specific purpose, and they're very good at that thing, and they are good for collaboration and notifications and async work. So you'd get a long way on those, I'd say. While Slack was the most commonly mentioned tool across the discussions we've had regarding internal communications, Rayon had a totally different take on how it should be used. We're actually very, very anti-Slack. We have very strict rules around Slack. You don't have to be in. A lot of remote companies would say, when you're when you're working, you're in Slack. We don't have that rule. We don't make any decisions in Slack. You're not required to come back after you were away and read through a thread and, and understand what just happened. We try to use Slack for troubleshooting real-time issues on the site or making some announcements, but no real-time work actually happens there. Our work happens in Dropbox Paper, which is like a Google Docs competitor, but it just feels less permanent. And then we use Basecamp for a more permanent uh, communication. And then this is going to sound weird, but we like email. (laughs) Uh, We like email better than Slack. Before we send someone a a direct message in Slack, we would say, well, do I need to interrupt them right now? Or can this be an email that they get back to? In fact, one of the people who work with us, Derek, built a Slack app called PigeonBot that you can download that lets you email someone from within Slack. So instead of sending them a DM, you would type slash email and it would send them an email instead of interrupting them at that, at that particular time. 
Something that people are not talking much about is their physical space where they've set up their office. I'm talking about where they're actually doing their work at home. The important thing I think is that you have a space. Like whenever we hire someone, we say, and, and we ask them, where are you going to work? They were like coffee shops or a couch. They're like, no, you need to have mm. a space. We're going to give you the furniture. You, you can't just work wherever. Like this is my office and I can close the door and I can work here. The sign on the door that says dad is on a call isn't always as effective as I want it to be. <laughs> but uh, uh, for the most part, it works okay. Uh, and so you have that. And, and the other thing I will say is, I think why a lot of people are scared of this is that they try to recreate an office experience in a remote environment. So there's a lot of, of synchronous work and that's where it would infringe with family time, especially if you're across time zones. Whereas for us, we have very few meetings during the week and we optimize for asynchronous communication. So we post something in paper, in, in Dropbox paper, and we say, let, it, let me know what you're thinking within the next two days. And then when someone else is, needs a break from coding and they're gonna, they wanna do something else for an hour, they come out of that and this is a good break for them to then give feedback on that thing. And once you look at it that way, that it's you're not recreating an office environment, you're actually optimizing for what remote work is good for. Like, let's say you record a podcast, you don't need to edit it with someone in person, they can work on it when, when they're ready. Right. Um, you can give feedback that way. So uh, I would encourage it, I would say. <laughs> it comes down to style and culture. You need to understand that tools will not solve any problem. You need to be clear on why you're choosing a specific tool, what's the expected outcome, how, why, and when people should use it, and treat it like an experiment. Be willing to pivot, be willing to move away from the tool if it's not working, or and identify quickly if it is having a negative impact. At the center of all of this transformation sits communication. Steve made two observations about how Divinia is adapting their communication strategy to increase transparency across the organization. I'd say less about a key tool. I'd say for us, it's been kind of more two things around how, how are we managing or what key things are we doing to manage uh, the organization and uh, and sort of the people in general. So the two things are one is increased monitoring and regular communication. That's a massive thing, right? So like we are obviously doing our virtual halls and we have a daily executive standup, uh, which is interesting because the exec would meet like once a month, go over the numbers, do our thing, like typical sort of organizations do. We're doing it daily. Uh, I got to tell you, there's nothing like a crisis that that really, really make sure that you know what your key performance indicators are and how to manage those things. Because uh, what metrics matter, because uh, that's all you can focus on right now. So so in our daily standups, we, we focus on those, you know, four or five key metrics, which is really the health of the organization. And then we're discussing other things. And then um, Adam, our CEO, he sends out a company-wide email and he does it in a very light, fun way. Um, so he, he sends that out to everybody and gets great feedback about all the things we're going on. We're very transparent about everything from the number of leads coming in, the number of proposals being written, the health of the business, where 
I don't even know if we were that transparent before. We would do, you know, once a quarter, we would do town hall meetings and let everybody know. We do Monday morning meetings where everybody gets together. But this has just created tremendous amount of communication. Um, and it's and it's very two-way, right? Like there's lots of feedback from the staff. So increased monitoring and regular communication, that's one. The second one is how do you virtualize your culture? So this is something I think where you're kind of tapping into you talk about, um, you know, when you're working from home and all of a sudden now, it, you know, culture is something that people sort of bumping into each other and hanging out and talking in the lunchroom. And like, I, I believe sort of culture just kind of bubbles underneath. And I know a lot of people believe it's sort of from the top down and it is, the tone is set for sure. But a lot of it is just how people work together. So how do you, and we have a very, how do you say it? It's, we have a very lighthearted, I think we've got a fun culture. Maybe not everybody would agree with that. I think we do. Um, we definitely have very creative things. We're doing this rock, paper, scissors thing right now. Wherever you find yourself today, our hope for you is safety, health, and financial security. I know many of my friends have made hard decisions regarding company headcount. Still more of my friends find themselves impacted by these same decisions. We are a small community of people that have been through a lot and have passion, I would say even a moral imperative to discover the voice of the customer and translate that in such a way where companies can hear it and act. This is an emotional time for us all. Take the time to connect with your friends and be sure to virtually bump into somebody every day. I totally agree with you about that. Make sure you step outside, even if it's your backyard, to get a little bit of sunlight because that little bit of sunlight helps you, especially if you've been working at home all week. In the next episode, we're going to release the long-form interview with Henrik, the CEO of Look Back. The key is to avoid, I guess the expression is second-class citizens. You say that in the U.S., right? People that are... Yeah, right. So that's what happens with, with people where you have some people who are perhaps uh, meeting in, uh, in real life in an office day to day. And then you have some people that are outside of that. And uh, that creates these second class citizens that won't engage and that won't have the same information and opportunity to collaborate. And that's not a good situation for anyone. It's not good for the company because you're just wasting these resources. And it's not good for these employees because they're not going to have fun and they're not going to have success. Happy Market Research is hosted and produced by me, Chu Yi Yang, and Jamin Brazil. Special thanks to our reference guest, Rion Vandermeer, WildBits Head of Product, Kate Wilson, Research Manager at YouGov, Henrik Matson, CEO of Lookback, Steve Mast, President and Chief Innovation Officer at Delvinia. To subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes or check out the Happy Market Research website at happymr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at happymrxp. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next week.